A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stop, stop, stop. Just before this big interview begins... I need to tell you about a new book being published by Backpage, the good guys, the made guys, who published my two books on Barca and Spain, and who also, thank the Lord for them, produced this podcast. Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall, is in all good bookstores. What does that mean to you? Well, Grant Wall sits down with superstars such as Manuel Neuer, Vincent Company, and Xabi Alonso. And thanks to extensive interviews with players in every key position on and off the pitch, he explains the technical and tactical revolution which has transformed modern football. This book is packed with insights that only those at the very top of the sport can offer. In the words of my good friend Gabriel Marcotti, Grant Wall is an expert storyteller who has managed to get some of the best in the world to share the secrets of their trade. So... Big interview listeners, that's your World Cup reading sorted. Well, this is getting to be a habit. For a time in Spanish football, certainly in several recent crucial years, the concept of a fantastic final flourish, uh, a wave of the hand a raising of the eyebrow, a friendly smile, and leaving the stage wasn't the territory of the greats in Spanish football. La Liga's made up of more than Football Club Barcelona and Madrid, but maybe for the meantime, let's focus on them. So, for example, when Raul left, it was announced at Real Madrid in the summertime. It was handled in a way where I think 50 or 100 fans came to say goodbye to him at the Bernabeu and he left with certainly a shroud over his relationship with um, the then president. He left at that stage possibly, arguably, the greatest player in the club's history, at least up there with Gento, with Di Stefano and in the modern era pretty much unchallenged even by Fernando Aguero. Fernando Aguero, speaking of whom, um, he was pretty much pushed out of the club, told he'd be getting a new contract, didn't because he sided with the squad against the president who wanted Morientes out. So Fernando Aiero and now that we come to mention it, Vicente Del Bosque turned up at the end of a really important title winning season. Remember when Madrid used to win titles, back to back titles? Only to find that they weren't being renewed, told on coming in that it wasn't a new contract they were getting, it was um, a goodbye, the sack. 
it was the end. No ceremonies, no formal goodbyes. But that translates across to the camp now as well. When, for example, Carlos Puyol left, albeit that he'd been the captain and one of the modern greats of the club, if not all-time greats, no big fanfares, no wonderful last game, massive trophy, great occasion, outpouring of love. And the same was true of Victor Valdez negotiating to go to Monaco, telling the club that he didn't want to renew, falling over and busting his knee, a knee problem which gave him so much pain and doubt and difficulties over a couple of years. Meaning that Victor Valdez maybe the great goalkeeper of Barcelona's history, didn't get a proper farewell, adios. He didn't get his kudos. Eric Abidal, think about that, told that as soon as he was fit again after his cancer battle, if he played a single game, he'd have his contract renewed. Well, it wasn't, and he was shown the door. Not only a great servant, but a man who fought back from a cancer attack to helped win the Champions League at Wembley in 2011 and was given by the senior players, led by Puyol, the chance to lift the trophy. And the club treated him like that. The reason I say this is becoming a habit is that recently what we've seen is Xavi saying adios in a wonderful farewell ceremony at the camp now, happy, light-hearted after winning a, a treble of trophies. Iniesta announcing his goodbye, drawing it out a little bit, managing to leave, having won not only the title, but scored in the Spanish Cup final, and seeing these trophies presented to him on a night when the stadium was pretty much full, fireworks went off, laser displays, the wee man got the kind of send-off that he merits, and now Zidane. Yeah, that's the reason for this. Zidane has chosen his own farewell, and it's been brilliant. Now, not to contradict myself, but it, it breaks a habit in the in the Zidane CV. He left uh, Cannes, his first club, with them playing the penultimate game of the season, being subbed at halftime, then being defeated by the club he supported as a kid and being relegated. He left Bordeaux, admittedly having reached the European final, the Europa League or UEFA Cup final, over two legs against Bayern Munich and uh, <clears throat> losing that one heavily, I think 5-1. That was his adios, adieu to um, his final French club. And off to Juve, where clearly he had great times. Clearly he became one of the world greats. He won the Mundial, he won the World Cup in Paris. While a Juve player, he became World Player of the Year. But he failed in two Champions League finals. And then in his final season, when he made it clear to Juventus that his wife wanted to leave for warmer climates, that he wanted to go to Real Madrid, his uh, finales, his au revoirs, were two red cards in his final two Champions League games for Juventus. Uh, one of which was against Deportivo La Coruña, the other against Hamburg. A home defeat in the cup to Roberto Baggio's Brescia, and then losing the league by two points to Roma. Not the farewell that a great wants. His farewell from Madrid in a season when they didn't win a trophy, when they were distinctly behind Barcelona in the, the title chase, came at the Bernabeu in a 3-3 draw with Villarreal when Ciso scored, admittedly. But, and I've said this before on the big inside view, but I think it bears repetition for newer listeners and those who've forgotten that it was good guys, um, troopers like David Beckham and Iglesias, who hauled the rest of the Roman troops back out towards the pitch here. The the disappointment of the 3-3 draw where Julio Baptista had equalised with about two minutes left to make it 3-3 on Zizou's last night meant that 
the Real Madrid players were sort of ragtagging, bobtailed and wandering off the pitch to go to the dressing room, kind of forgetting, understandably maybe in the heat of the moment, that this was Zidane's farewell to the Bernabeu. Zidane, the man who'd won them that wonderful Champions League final at Hamden against Leverkusen with what until last weekend in Kiev was widely considered to be the best ever goal in a Champions League final. Beckham and Casillas hauled the, the team out to, to be around Zidane as he hit the centre circle and those who were left in the Bernabeu hailed him. But was it right? Was it staged well? Did it show the right type of respect from some of his fellow players in the team? No, no it didn't. Ah, yeah, the World Cup. Marco Materazzi. Need we say more? That was, in case you'd forgotten, Zidane's last ever game for France. This means of saying goodbye to Romanid for the moment, I think, has been brilliant. Partly because he's timed it exactly right for him. He's walked away in a moment where I think he sees clearly that the high point of his reign had been reached. In music, uh, politics, um, any kind of performance-based lifestyle, how many of those that we regard as great or all-timers know when to stop drinking the elixir of love and success and fame and respect? Time and time again, people come back thinking, no, I can't leave this. I need more adulation or I need more money or I need one more song, one more bout, one more season. Usually it's a bad decision. Very few anticipate and say, this is the moment. As a player, Cantona did it famously. If you leave aside his enigmatic stuff about trawlers and sardines, he left at a time when he knew his appetite was sated, when his weight was going to bloat a little bit. He knew that it was time to focus on other things. And he shocked everybody, but he knew he'd done the right thing. I still think that although you can cite players who've done the right thing in the right way or managers or fighters or singers or actors, it's still the case that most don't judge the moment as Zidane has. During this last season, the one thing that he was brilliant at, this ability to convince, to lead, to, to teach people day by day, hour by hour on the training ground, that under me, if you're good enough, you'll get your chance. And if you're good enough, all of you will win. And if you buy into my training methods, which were simple, they were they were not particularly modern. They were about catch the ball, press the ball. They were about shooting, a huge amount of shooting practice. And they were about making sure that multimillionaires who didn't actually need Zidane, the squad, enjoyed their work. And by making them believe in him, by making them believe that it was no longer the size of your salary, the size of your transfer fee, or the quality of your relationship with the president that would dictate whether you played all the time or not. For example, think about Danilo and Casemiro, with Rafa Benitez being not sure whether he could play Casemiro as he needed to because the president told him, you've got the best right back in the world, and Danilo, always play him. That's a debate that under Zidane disappeared, not just those two players, but it was never anything other than the right player, the best player, the most informed player plays. The formation that I think will win us the game is the one we go with. Hence the move away from the 4-3-3 and the BBC, Bale, Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo. But that's another debate. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. What Zidane was able to do was take this magic wand of his and unite a band of players who were slacking under Benitez. It's the same group Benitez had, who lost 4-0 at home to Real Madrid, who lost subsequently almost immediately to Villarreal at the Madrigal, who had a lead twice against Valencia and lost it. And Benitez lost the faith of Florentino Perez. Zidane came into that same group and made them European champions. Yes, there were bumps along the way, like the 2-0 defeat away in Germany against Wolfsburg, the two boring semi-finals against Manchester City, but he won. He had a brilliant second half of the season in the league and pushed Barcelona all the way to the last day and then began to win everything. The league, world titles, European Super Cups... It was a nine-trophy, two-and-a-half-season reign, whereby, because everybody, and by which I mean his staff to the club above him, but predominantly every single player from 1 to 20 or 22, everybody was dancing to his tune. It gave them unity. It gave them an enormous team spirit. And what it allowed to do was the quality flooded out. Remedy was jam-packed full of quality players, except they weren't all pulling in the same direction, they weren't all motivated to the same degree, and he changed that. Could he keep that going forever? No. And did he see little problems beyond the embarrassment of losing at home to Betis, losing at home to Villarreal, uh, drawing at Levante, drawing at home to Valencia, a, a poor first half of the season? He saw that what was happening had happened to Pep Guardiola, say, in his fourth year at Barcelona. The message dims. It doesn't get through. People kind of say, yeah, boss. And they look as if they're listening and their mind's on the next episode of Coronation Street or the equivalent. Zidane, equally, as a bright man, knew that one of the options was to do a Ferguson and rip up the squad, build again, change them, not himself. Except he has other goals. He's a young man. Roman is a burnout club. He wasn't filled with the same need as Alex Ferguson, who's playing success, who's wished to prove himself, who's wished to dominate somebody else. Liverpool was different from Zidane's. 
Zidane made it very clear today in his um, press conference that he's not worn out. He's not tired of coaching. What he said was worn out was the buzz that he was able to give the players. What he said very specifically, and I think brilliantly, was it would have been more difficult for this squad to continue winning if I stayed. In other words, the right appointment as coach, the right quality of man coming in, the new messages, the new demands, perhaps the changing of standards, certainly the changing of routines, the selling of one or two and the buying of two or three. That's what Zidane is referring to. And therefore, part of his greatness lies in the fact that this isn't Zidane moving on saying, two fingers to the world, they are three straight Champions Leagues, catch me if you can. It's not Zidane saying, whoa, I'm burned out, I'm knackered, I need a rest. It's Zidane warning the club, I'm not the man who's going to lead the battle in terms of changing how we operate. Because Zidane also answered really clearly, having boxed clever for a little minute or two when a Spaniard asked him, what have been the best moments? In fact, what is the best moment? And he boxed clever by saying the happiest moment was when the president, Florentino Perez, brought me here. And he meant as a player back in 2001 because Zidane said he'd always wanted to play for Real Madrid, that it's brought him great joy. And boy, if you look back and you see what he's won, what he's earned, his projection as a footballer, what's happened to him as a director of football, bringing Isco, uh, bringing Varane, convincing the club about other players, where to loan players, convincing the club about, for example, Asensio. If you look at him as an assistant coach with Paul Clement underneath Carlo Ancelotti, um, that moment of being given sessions to prepare for the Champions League, being given a specific briefing to give to the players head of that Champions League in Lisbon when Ancelotti was the boss, and then going on to win three straight Champions League finals himself. You understand why when in Monaco, Monte Carlo, in about... August 2000, when Florentino Perez scribbled in English, do you want to play for Real Madrid on a napkin and pushed it towards Zidane because they didn't share a language? And Zidane just went, yes, scribbled on the napkin and pushed it back. That brought him great joy. But the shadow boxing ended when he was pushed and on being pushed about his favourite time as being manager, he went, the league, winning the league. He kind of went, winning the league, obviously, claro. As if, and he kind of went, could you imagine that it might be anything else? Which was plumb against the tide of the Madrid media, for example, because quite understandably, their message and maybe what they all feel is that Madrid winning the Champions League is much bigger than Barca winning the double. Madrid winning the Champions League three times in a trot is bigger than Barcelona's recent seasons, on which you have to say you're right. Three in a row in Europe is ultra greatness. But the debate about the Barca players and their priorities, league over Champions League, was going in a different way for fans, for media. And and I cannot hide, as a football fan, as a journalist, I've always been swayed by the allure of the European Cup, the Champions League, of beating European opposition. I've known since I started interviewing players that the great players, the great coaches, feel differently about being champion of the country. And it was interesting about... A man who Zidane feels tied to, Pep Guardiola, through friendship, through respect, through common ideas. They're not the same type of coach. But when Pep Guardiola recently said, after winning the title for Manchester City, he was asked in a big open press conference where he's become used to speaking much more openly, what will be more important again next season? He was like, the league. And then the league. And then the league after that. 
Yes, City have hired him to win the Champions League. Yes, he wants to win it. But Guardiola was like, what's more important? And he said, the league, the league, the league. And Zidane, when asked about what was the best, imagine winning three straight Champions League finals. Imagine one of them being against Atletico Madrid. Imagine one of them being against your old club, Juventus, and you win 4-1, and still it's the league. That tells you something, and it tells you that the club is constructed differently from Zidane's mentality. The club is constructed to win knockout trophies. Players' mindsets are that way. And, and Real Madrid regard their own identity, their own greatness, as stemming from consistently dominating Europe. Zidane, I think, sees that as being a difficult mentality to change. Buying the right players, getting the right mentality of players, convincing the president that routinely being Spanish champions is meat and drink. It's important. For example, the last coach of Madrid to retain the Spanish title was the Dutchman, now 75, Leo Benhacker, in 1989, the last coach to retain the title. Zidane's greatness, I think, rests not only in exiting the stage left with a flash and a bang and a twirl of his cape and a little twinkle in his eye, but in the messages that he was giving to players, to fans, to his president and to the club. Warning that things need to change. Warning that the squad needs to change. Otherwise, a dip is coming. A dip which would be only natural. It's been fantastic having him around because he produces a brand of football which, whether you prefer the the beauty, the positional intelligence, the strategy of the Guardiola Cruyff School or not, it's barnstorming it's exciting they're never beaten it's power play it's full of talent it's galactico in its purest form he's also been funny he's warm to the media he tells you the truth more often than not more often than most and he's a class act it's that simple so au revoir until we see you again Zizou I think he'll be back director of football coach in due course I think his next port of call, which must make Karim Benzema's little heart go pitter-patter, is probably as coach of France, I guess, maybe as early as the autumn. Let's see what Deschamps does in the World Cup coming up in Russia. But for the objective, for the neutral, whether you are a Madridista or not, saying goodbye to Zizou from Spanish football is a loss. A loss of class, a loss of fun, and the gap that Madrid have to fill is now pretty gigantic. He's charted a way ahead for them. He's given them clues of what to do. And that was only in public. Imagine what he said to Florentino Perez. Zizou, merci. It's been fun. I need to tell you about a new book being published by Backpage, the good guys who produce this podcast. Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall, is in all good bookstores. What does that mean to you? Well... Grant Wall sits down with superstars such as Manuel Neuer, Vincent Company, and Xabi Alonso. And thanks to extensive interviews with players in every key position on and off the pitch, he explains the technical and tactical revolution which has transformed modern football. This book is packed with insights that only those at the very top of the sport can offer. In the words of my good friend Gabriel Marcotti, Grant Wall is an expert storyteller who has managed to get some of the best in the world to share the secrets of their trade. So, big interview listeners, that's your World Cup reading sorted. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.